0: Warning! Consumption of alcoholic beverages impairs your ability to drive a car or operate machinery and may cause health problems including but not limited to impaired judgment, organ failure, projectile expulsion of Taco Bell, limp dick, distorted recognition of potential sexual partners, and poop. Lots of poop.
1: Please enjoy this podcast responsibly. If you're happy and you know it, Papa Cook... Hey, 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 wobbly winos, and welcome to... Why, Why We're, we're Whining!
0: The Holiday Bender taking you on a wine adventure.
1: I'm Tommy Lucas.
0: And I'm Lucy Zucaitis. And, uh, Lucy,
1: what are we whining about today? Like, I forgot.
0: I'm gonna remind you. It's holiday drinking.
1: Ah, yes. And mm-hmm. we're, like, getting down to the wire with it, too. We're, like, at day kind 20. Of,
0: yeah. It's yeah. sad
1: that we're like coming to the end of our little like. Well, it's not picture. mourn
0: yet. It, we're still in it.
1: You're right. You're right. Live in the moment. That's a good mm. piece of advice.
0: I mean, I've never actually taken that advice, but I'm gonna give it out. So.
1: Well, those who live in glass houses shouldn't throw wine bottles. What's the phrase?
0: <laughs> I don't know, but now I'm picturing myself drinking wine in a beautiful glass house.
1: And I'm in the bushes throwing magnum bottles at your windows. <laughs> What are we drinking today? Wow. What's going on? <laughs> wow.
0: Okay. So today we are partaking of the Champs Anciennes.
1: Champs ancients.
0: Champs Anciennes.
1: Is this a French wine? Oui. Oh, oui, oui. Do
0: you have any idea what Champs Anciennes means?
1: Um, ancient chimps. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: You're so close. <laughs> so that translates to old fields.
1: Yes, exactly what I said.
0: This is a Grenache Syrah blend.
1: Ooh. A little
0: GSM, but no M.
1: Yeah, okay, I'm excited about this. So we've
0: got 55% Grenache, 45% Syrah, and this is from southern France. That's a region that's pretty famous for their GSM blends. So like, you know, these grapes are, these are pretty
1: popular there. These are old home grapes.
0: Yes, exactly. Great. Each grape variety is harvested and fermented separately and then combined shortly before bottling. And then for each vintage, the final blend is decided after factoring in seasonal weather conditions, varietal expression. So from year to year, you don't know how much of each grape is going to actually be in here.
1: I think that's just responsible winemaking at this point. It
0: is. So a little bit about Southern France. Pace of life there is a little slower, more leisurely, laid back the Champs Anciennes kind of channels that in that the ripening is slow. The grapes can consistently reach their optimum level of maturity. Mm. And, oh, I love this. There's a little bit of talk of like the field work culture. So in Southern France, wine is a beverage necessary for, they put this on the Wine Adventure site, the daily drudgery of life working in the fields. And so they just drink it straight from their canteen Uh, You know, pause for their lunch break, have their wine, and then they have the sustenance and energy to get back to the farming activities. And I just feel like in America, we're maybe a little uptight about drinking wine on the job, or even like it's kind of frowned upon during lunch break. And Uh, (laughs) the French have it all figured out. Like, people work better with wine.
1: They just do. Like, everything you said just makes me think that we belong there. The fact that we need to go there to ripen and develop and reach our optimal maturity because they cater to people who are slow in life Uh and um, that they let us drink during the day. So and then our companions
0: out in the field would be like, "Why, yes, of course, you're having wine out of your canteen at lunch.
1: Duh. (laughs) Of course, you fell asleep in the middle of the field because you drank four canteens, but it's Eh, fine.
0: But I think that's okay in southern France if you need a little nap before you get done with the job.
1: We'll get it done when so we yeah. get it done. Slower pace. Wait. Can I pour it? Yes. Okay.
0: Oh, I forgot Ooh. that I was trying to limit my pour. That's a pretty full glass.
1: Yeah, well. well
0: <laughs> it's lunch break.
1: Cheers to that. <laughs> I like the color on this. This is very pretty.
0: Tell me about it.
1: Yes. For those of you hiding in bat caves and can't see what you're actually putting in your mouth, it's got a very, like, purpley hue to it. All I can think about whenever I try to describe a color is how much you make fun of me and I need to get over it. I'm
0: not saying a word over here.
1: I know you're not. It definitely has some sort of a violet hue to it, um with a touch of like deep crimson.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: It's a very regal color, I will say that.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah. You're speaking my language. Yeah. Ooh.
1: Can we smell it?
0: Yeah. Ooh, Ooh
1: this smells nice.
0: I feel like I'm getting some blackberry right off the bat.
1: Yep. mm-hmm. Darkberry for sure. There's definitely some pepper in there, a little mm-hmm. bit of spice pepper. Yes. It smells pretty like it's going to be a jammy wine.
0: To me, it smells like it's going to be kind of a nice
1: fruit spice blend. What's ABV on this?
0: Good question, Tommy. ABV on this is 13.3%.
1: Oh, all right, Mm, great. That's kind of up there. Yeah, we're up in the ABV here in our later wines. (laughs) Costco's getting us wasted before Christmas. Well,
0: when lunch break calls.
1: Yeah, yeah. To the fields. Cheers.
0: Cheers. I taste a plum.
1: Yeah, I do too. It's not as jammy on the palate as it is on the nose. No, not at all. It's actually a pretty easy drinker. Which is a bit surprising for uh, GS.
0: GS sans M.
1: There's a little bit of like, um, it's almost like tea. Like black tea?
0: Yes. And you know what? They do talk about that in the wine profile. Yes. Nicely done. Because it's not
1: as strong as like a coffee flavor would be, but it's got that herbal note. You know what I mean?
0: Good call, sir. Thank you. Whoa, I never call you that. That was weird. I'm not going to do that again.
1: Call me daddy, sir.
0: (laughs) Good call, daddy, sir. (laughs) Um, I don't taste as much of the pepper on it as I no, smelled either. No, no, it's
1: good. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't have as much profile as I wanted it to have. It's it's yeah. a little bit subdued in personnel. I'll
0: give you that. Yes, I expected a little more. Oomph.
1: It's not as um punchy in the face as I wanted it I'll to be. I'll
0: punch you in the face.
1: So, what are your thoughts on fruitcake?
0: So, several years ago, my mom, as you know, teaches dance. And so she gets all sorts of gifts from her students, and someone gave her a fruit cake this one year. You could tell that it was really nice, and they'd spent some money on this, but we were all kind of afraid of it. And so I didn't know that she decided she was going to re-gift it to someone else. And I really wanted to try it because I was curious, and anytime there's food in front of me, like, we'll bite. Um... <laughs> So I like cut out a little slice and it was better than I thought it would be, but I didn't love it. And then we still had this whole giant fruitcake left and she was like, no, I was going to give that to so-and-so. And so so we tried to like squish it back together. And my sister and I like put a toothpick inside and like squished it around, but it ended up not working out. And I think most of it um, found its way to the landfill.
1: Well, I'm glad that you didn't re-gift the partially eaten fruitcake because mm-hmm. that would have been something. But uh... Yeah.
0: And then also my grandma really liked them. So she would always order them from one of those catalogs with holiday shit.
1: Mm. And every
0: year when we'd go over there, she'd be so excited to serve us some fruitcake. And I couldn't bring myself to say no. So I'd always have to have a little bit. And then some of that also found its way to the landfill.
1: But it is one of those things that I think in modern times has kind of become a joke, you know? Oh, um, yeah. It's nothing that people necessarily look forward to, but it always has a presence. Right. Do you know who's credited with kind of making fruitcake like the butt of the joke that it's considered?
0: Martha Stewart.
1: No, but um, Johnny Carson, actually.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So
1: he made a joke in the 1960s during an episode of The Tonight Show, and he said, uh, the worst Christmas gift is a fruitcake. Oh! There's only one fruitcake in the entire world, and people keep sending it to each other. So your family <laughs> almost participated in that. Yeah. And then it became a holiday tradition for him to do it every year. So he's kind of credited with making it this, like, thing. But oh. in terms of, I mean, you've eaten one. What's in it?
0: Fruit. Nuts and like a spice cake.
1: Yeah, the original one was like pine nuts, barley mash, pomegranate seeds, raisins, and honeyed wine. Oh. And uh, it actually goes back to can you guess the time period that it originates?
0: Oh, the Dark Ages.
1: Oh, no, a little before that.
0: Um, medieval. That Wait, is, is that the... all? That's the That's same.
1: All the same. <laughs> 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 it's ancient Rome.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Soldiers would actually bring it as a snack to battle because it wouldn't go bad.
0: Oh, battle snacks.
1: Well, and still to this day, it's notorious for uh, having a very, very long shelf life. (laughs) Um, Yes. I read a story as I was looking at some of the stuff that there is like a 150 plus year old fruitcake that a family has.
0: Oh, God. That sounds um, like something my family would do, too. uh,
1: Yeah. At this point, (sighs) I think it's inedible, but they still bring it out every year as like a... Symbol of like years gone by. Uh, no, nope. disgusting. Nope. Anyway, Can't. Shakespearean times they added meat to it, but then when sugar became cheaper in the 16th century, they realized they could preserve fruits with that. So they would soak the fruits in sugar and dry them, and then this is like what they would do to make the fruit cake. Mm. But in 1913, that's when kind of like the mail order fruitcakes would come into play, which is probably, you know, when and where your grandma got all that stuff. But it's also, I didn't realize this, in England, fruitcake's like a huge thing. Apparently it's always served at British weddings. The traditional like wedding cake is fruitcake. Wow. It's customary for unmarried wedding guests to put a slice of fruitcake under their pillow at night so they would dream about the person they would eventually marry.
0: Is that why I'm unwed? I guess. I haven't been putting fruitcake under my pillow.
1: Get your grandma's fruitcake out and, gave, and give it a go and <laughs> have a Merry, Merry Christmas. Cheers. Cheers. This has been a Tom C. Leucitis production in association with Double Daddy Studios. Thank you for enjoying this podcast
0: responsibly. Wait, let me start that again. That's not what happened. <clears throat>
1: Lucy's lying again. Stop (laughs) lying, damn it. I'm getting excited. Tommy's always excited about the beef. (laughs) Was it George Deboeuf? Our our Lord of the Beef, man of the beef.
0: Yes. Of the beef. Of the beef. Yeah, I miss him.